So I grew up in the mountains of Eagle and Gypsum, and being in the mountains, I pretty quick fell in love with the outdoors. I loved the outdoors. And one of the things that really taught me to love the outdoors well was Boy Scouts. And being in the mountains in Boy Scouts was actually kind of cool. I learned that being in Boy Scouts in the city wasn't as cool. Um, but I enjoyed it because, I mean, we just had our backyard to experience all the different things. And um, pretty quick on, I, I was camping, I was fishing. And I remember one particular time, my father and I, I was probably in third grade or something like that, we were going on a backpack trip, and we were going to hike up to this lake that's in this glacial bowl in the Gore, Gore Range. But we had to do it after my dad got off work. My dad got off work at 5. And so the rest of the troop got on trail around like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Three-and-a-half-mile hike or something like that. It was pretty steep there toward the end to get up to the lake. But looking back, even as like a pretty out-of-shape third grader, like I was fine on the trail, so it wasn't too bad. But I remember pretty vividly that we weren't as prepared as I now have this, this story has really changed my preparations for when I take my kids camping. If you're listening to this, Dad, I love you, okay? Um, but when we got on trail, the sun set pretty quickly. And my dad, all he had, he was a mechanic, all he had was these little mechanic mag lights. And the batteries were just ancient in them. They were not fresh. And so we're going up this trail, and the sun's setting pretty quick, and my fear is rising very fast. Um, as this little kid, I'm thinking every animal in the forest is going to eat us as soon as the sun sets. And so I'm starting to freak out. My dad's got the really dim, we had, we're down to one mag light, but he's got the, he, I mean, he's a really awesome outdoorsman, and he has the topographical map, and he's got the compass, he knows exactly where we are, and he's like, I'm telling you, top of this ridge is the lake, and I'm just freaking out. And I'm like, let's go make camp at that meadow that we saw, like, down the trail. So I somehow convince him. He, does, he doesn't push me up the trail. We go back to the meadow. The meadow is actually a marsh. So <laughs> we start setting up camp, and everything's wet, like, almost instantly. Where we get in our tent. We're in our bags, soaked. My dad is furious. <laughs> but I'm like, the tent's going to save us from all of the mountain lions and bears. And we finally, like, you know, the lights are all the way dead, and we're just in our sleeping bags, and we hear a whistle from the top of the ridge, and it's our, it's our troop. We were, like, a quarter mile from, from the lake. And just because we couldn't see it, just because, like, it, it wasn't right there didn't mean that it wasn't there at all, right? Just because we couldn't see it, my dad, like, knew, but he didn't have the proof of actually seeing with his eyes yet that the lake was right there, but he just knew that it was. It didn't change that... It still was there no matter what. No matter if we thought we were close or not, that lake didn't move at all. It was always there, even though we couldn't see it. And I think the same can be for God. The title of tonight's teaching is Finding God in the 21st Century. And honestly, today's culture, today's world, it can seem like God's kind of far away in it, truth be told. But there's a promise in Scripture and throughout Scripture that he's actually not far away at all. That it's kind of like that lake when I was in third grade, climbing up that trail in the dark. So I want to jump into this verse, um, or this passage in Acts 17. And this passage in Acts 17 was like a life hack for me. It was a promise that I could lean on, and it was a way to live my life, and it was just in these few verses. Now, to set the stage for um, this passage right here, this is Paul, and he's talking to the Athenians, and he's in Athens, and he basically is waiting for one of, his, one of his friends. And as he's waiting in Athens for one of his friends, he starts looking around the city. And in the city, there's all these idols. There's, I mean, there's a Greek god for everything under the sun. And he even finds uh, an idol that's nameless and faceless. And it's, it's the god that they don't know the name of. And Paul's like, what's going on here? So he ends up going to the synagogue. He starts teaching the Jews there. And some of the Greeks overhear him. And back then, the culture for the Greeks, they just wanted to hear new teaching they wanted, they, they thrived on um, philosophy and things like that. And so they wanted to hear new things. And some Greeks overheard him teaching. And so they invite him up to the Acropolis where they just want to hear him out. And it's during his time where he's talking to Gentiles and Jews in this, in this place about this nameless, faceless God. And Paul's like, I, I know him, actually. He's the one true God. And, and this is a, a part of what he's teaching them. Uh, Acts 17, verse 27 says his purpose, meaning God's purpose, was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. So I'm going to pause right there. 
that God's purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him. And I look at our country and I can see that I don't think that's necessarily the purpose. Like that, that's the purpose. And I think that the, our country is founded on a lot of principles in that realm. But I look at it, I'm like, I don't think I see us as a whole trying to feel our way toward him, to God. But that doesn't change that he's not far from any one of us. He's not far, though he's not far from any one of us. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So we see a promise in scripture here that I consistently lean back on, especially when I'm thinking about culture. I'm thinking about when I'm, when I'm watching the news, when I'm scrolling Facebook, all these things. There's a promise that I have to continually lean back on. And it's not just culture I'm talking about. We've all had times in our lives where we probably have said something like, God, where are you? Where we're looking at a circumstance or pain or something like that. The promise being that he's not far. He's still not far from us. He's still not far. And from the beginning, we're supposed to seek, we're supposed to feel our way toward him and find him. And that's the goal, to find him still. And there's been plenty of times in my life that God has been really bad at hide and seek. And I, I love the imagery of thinking of when I'm playing hide and seek with my kids, I want to be found because I love their faces. Like when they find me, they're just like, ah! And it's just so funny. So I don't, I mean, I could legitimately hide from them and they would never find me. <laughs> and that's called abandonment, right? <laughs> it's not healthy. That's not healthy. Well, the Father, or Jesus, Holy Spirit, they love to stick their leg out from behind the couch so they can kind of be seen. They do. They do. Our purpose is to seek after him, to feel our way toward him. I love the King James Version says, grope our way toward him. Like, it's, it's like you're in the dark. Like, I have no idea where you are, but the promise is still there. He is not far from any one of us. That's the goal, to find him. At some point, we're always like, maybe it's through pain or through culture or through some, something we see in the news or anything like that. We're just like, God, where are you in this? Where are you? It's my hope and prayer tonight that we can strengthen our faith in finding him no matter the season you're in, that through a few practices, if we put some practices in our life, the same practices that Jesus did in his life, if we can try to put those in our life as well, I think it's a better way that we can be able to find him to actually get to that spot. The promise, of, the promise being he's not far from us at all. Now, I've been in a difficult season, especially this last couple of years, of just like um, some personal struggle in my in my. In my life and just some hurts and things like that that happened in the past that kind of just like reared their head. And it's been tough. It's been really hard. But this promise has gotten me through that. And not around it, but through it. That like he's still, he's still close no matter what. And after this promise, we see this powerful statement that in him, we live, we move, and we exist. I love that statement. We live, we move, and we exist. I think this is another great way that Jesus is talking about in John 10, 10 of like the rich and satisfying life. Like this is the rich and satisfying life that in him we can live, we can move, and we exist. Because the truth is my difficulty or my circumstances, they, they don't influence that promise. They don't, that he's not far from me. My difficulty, my circumstance won't influence that promise, but my faith can't. Like if I lose my faith in that, promise. That, starts, that lie starts to operate as truth in my life, that he's, that he's actually far from me, that he's abandoned me. And you see, if, I, if, if I'm trying to seek after God, believing that he's actually very far away, I'm setting myself up for disappointment. I'm setting myself up, not for failure, because the truth is that, that promises still always last. His promises ring true. But my perspective and my faith in it can become a roadblock to actually finding him. And so having faith in that promise is kind of that first step. But what got me to be able to continue to believe that I had access to him, that he was close to me, was the phrase, in him. In him. We live, we move, and exist. This promise is true, and Paul's, it's just true as when Paul said this to the Gentiles in Athens, 
as it is today, that even in today's culture, that we can live, we can move, and we can exist, but it's got to be in him. In him is a, in English, it's kind of tough to think about that, like in him. How is this possible? When we started this course, we started with something simple, the gospel, right? The good news. And if you're, if you haven't listened to that week, I would go back to listen to week one um, on our on our podcast channel because like that's it's just the good news. It's Jesus, and it's that Sunday school answer, Jesus. That like my kids, I'm like, what did you learn about this weekend? And they they have a big idea, but a lot of times they'll go, Jesus. You learned about Jesus. Awesome. I I believe you. <laughs> Can I have a little more, please? And the simplicity of it, like we learned in week one, is. It's almost offensive. It's almost like, but I've been doing this for years, for years, and the answer is still him. It's still Jesus. There's nothing more. There's nothing added. There's no special information that we need. Even this course, Life Hacks, like these are things that we learned in our own time, and I believe that God's timing is perfect. And for some of you, this week is for you. For some of you, last time was for you. Like wherever your, your walk is, that's the beauty of the simplicity of Jesus is that like, it's just in him. It's in him. Acts 17, 28. In him we live, we move, and exist. The English definition of in, just the word in, I-N, is expressing the situation of something that is or appears to be enclosed or surrounded by something else. So the cereal is in, in the box still. It's inside the box. It's pretty simple, right? The yolk is inside the shell still. That's, it's just simple. That's, that's our English language. In means in. There's no, like, there's nothing more to say about it. But let's jump into a little bit of a Greek lesson, okay? Because in, in the Greek language, in means a whole lot more. So the word in, I-N, is the Greek word for en, en. That doesn't sound like it's that, <laughs> that awesome, but it comes from a Hebrew and Latin origin. The Greek word en is translated as this, in on, by, with, among, and through. All of those. So when Paul says, in him, we live, we move, and we exist, in means a whole lot more than what we think. Now, I understand the Greek language operates different than the English language. I know that different languages put different emphasis within different parts of the sentence structure. But I see a limitless God that is giving us access to him because he's not far from us. That if I have only tried to encounter him by one of these things, he's given me so much more to access him by. Does that make sense? That God gives us so much access to him that in him means in, by, on, with, among, and through. That there are times where maybe I can't feel him in a situation I felt him in the past, But wow, when I met with that person, God spoke through me, and he was close to me, and I I had a moment with him. And and there's 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 this part of him, this access that he gives. I mean, can you imagine the access that the disciples had? Like, they walked with him on earth. He died. He rose again. He ascended. Can you imagine the first time Peter was like, Jesus? Like that he had more access after Jesus ascended into heaven than he had access with him in person. Because everybody was, I mean, trying to get, at, like, get, get a word with Jesus when he was in the middle of his ministry. And now it's in, by, on, with, among, and through all at the same time. It's complicated and basic at the same time. I get that. So I want to dig into it a little bit. One word with so much more meaning than we thought possible. So the first time we see this word used in the New Testament, it's in Matthew when it says that Mary was found with child. Jesus was not just inside of Mary at that point in time, but she was with him as well. Does that make sense? If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and he did what he said he did, then the Holy Spirit resides inside of you, right? So you can be with him, and he can be in you at the same time. It's interesting when you think about it that way. And when you're thinking about, where are you, God, in the midst of my suffering? And he can just simply respond, I'm not far. I'm close. 
Do you see how that promise that I am close still just rings a little bit deeper now in the midst of all these different things? I believe that God gives us so much access to himself that the simple statement of being in him means that we can be inside of his love, that we can do things by his spirit, that we can stand firm on his promises, we can gather where he is among us, and that he might bring freedom through us all at the same time, all at the same time. Now, notice that this definition, nowhere in here does it say for. Like, I did this for God. Or I'm praying for him to do something. It doesn't say that. It says in him we live and we move and we exist. And you can think of a lot of other places in Scripture where it says in him. I mean, my, one of my favorite verses, Romans 6.23, at the end of it says, in Christ Jesus, in, meaning through in that statement. And that's like, um, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, or through him. But it's never been just for him, and so this is the hack. It's this little tweak that you can do a lot of things, and this is a common statement, and I think I've even said this in week one and maybe even week two, but like, we can do a lot of things for him. We can. We can read our Bible for him. We can, we can you know, love somebody else for him. We can even give the $10 to someone in need for God. I can do it for him. But if I do it, and what I like to say is from instead of for. But if you think of it like this, I'm just like, I'm not going to do it for him. I'm going to do it in him, like in his name or by the faith. In, in him, or on, I'm going to do this thing standing firm on the promise that he's laid before me, or I'm going to do this thing with him next to me, guiding me. I mean, I've said the statement before, like the simple phrase that Jesus says of, come to me, all you are wearied and burdened, and I will give you, what? Rest. You ever thought to yourself, if his yoke is easy and light, why is life so hard? Like, it's almost a contradictory statement of just like, I've been a Christian, and honestly, the yoke feels harder than when I, before I met him. And that's part of, I think, our walk at some point. We're just like, why is this hard? And the truth is, if we're yoked with someone, and I'm trying to walk in even a slightly different direction than that person, it's a hard walk all of a sudden. I'm pulling against where he's going. And I'm just like, I can do something for him, but if he's walking in a different direction, it's going to feel heavy. It's going to feel hard. But if I do something in him and, I, and I, I open myself up to the access that he gives me, and this access, again, we're coming back to something simple, but it's so crazy how many times we as pastors, someone comes into our, our office or our calls, and they, and they have this crazy situation that they're going through, or they have this this big hurt, or, or they're just in a place where they're just like lost. And we ask them, what's your time with God look like right now? Like, what are you doing? Like, like, what's your devotional time? What's your quiet time? What does that look like? And they're like, oh man, I probably should get back on that again. I, I hear that all the time. And if you're in that place, I am not casting shame on you. I hope you understand that. Because there's been seasons where it's felt dry to me. But that's what I want to talk about tonight. The simplicity of in, in him, gives you access at any moment to the promise that he's not far from you, that he's not far from you, that you can find him in today's culture. 100%, he's there. He's always been there. He's not far from us at all. I love the way Jesus puts it in John 15, the idea of in him we live, we move, and exist. John 15 says this, I'm sure you guys have heard this one before. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You already, you, all, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me. That right there, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I bet you can guess what in 
what the Greek word for N right there is. Put up the definition again there, Kellogg of N, meaning in, by, on, with, among, through. That's what he's talking about, but we remain. If you remain in me, I will remain in you. This, is, go, this goes both ways. He will be by us. He will back us up. He'll be with us, among us. Go through us, too. It's a two-way street. I'm trying to just give a different outlook on what our quiet times can look like and the power that spending time with God in a devotional life can have. And I know that there's probably many of us that have been consistent in a devotional life for years. And it's my hope and prayer that tonight, if it's feeling dry, that you're gonna get a whole bunch more passion. I also think that if if you're not having a devotional time right now or it's really inconsistent or you just can't quite figure it out or maybe you're spinning, you, you haven't got traction, that we can start setting up like a time that is consistent and a, and a time that you can really start pouring into being in him, remaining in him. And if you're in a place where you're just like, I am solid in my devotional times, I love it, and I'm, I feel super fruitful in the whole thing. But if you're in a place where you're, you're having a devotional time and you're just like, I am on fire. I love it. I can't get enough of it. And you're in the place of like, you, you are in the midst of this. Chances are there's someone at your table or in your group tonight that needs to hear what is putting you on fire. That's put that, that passion in you. Because spending time with him will open up the floodgates for you in so many different ways, so many different avenues. And I think that one thing our culture has continually done is water down a devotional time. Water it down. And, and make it a, a box that you check. And growing up in the Lutheran church, that's something that was just part of it. Of just like you, you, you stand up, read this, read that. And it was just like a big checklist. And when I, when I went through my confirmation class in Lutheran church, it was, all it was was a course I took. Our relationship with Jesus is not a class. A relationship with Jesus is a relationship. And your time with him is, is so much more than what, honestly, what Western society has put on. It's a, it's a relationship. It's so much more. So what I want to do for the rest of my time up here and before we get into our group discussions is talk about some of these big things, these big things of, of how um, God can move in us and how we can remain in him. The big three, and basically we're talking about disciplines. We're talking about quiet times. What I love to call my time is happy hour. It's just is a better tune to me. And honestly, when I first heard that, I was like, I love that. I'm gonna go have some drinks with Jesus. I'm gonna drink from the water that will not run dry, right? I'm not saying I went to the bar, okay? To be very clear, because those of you listening cannot see my face. <laughs> But when I put that happy hour tune to it, it became a place of joy for me and excitement to, like, to, to meet with him in a setting that's like friends at a meal. If you think about Revelations 3.20 of like, here I stand at the door and knock. Those who let me in, I will come in and share a meal as friends. That's what Jesus says at the door. I'm like, when I, when I just, all I had to hear was happy hour and boom, my quiet times were just all of a sudden on fire. I was like, absolutely. Thank you, God, for that. So it's my hope that you guys get something like that out of what we're talking about tonight, whether it's for me or somebody else in your group. So the big three disciplines or practices that Jesus like did in his life too, the word, prayer, and worship. Those are the big three. Those are the three that like you're going to be in him or remaining in him, be with him, on him, among him. Like those three things can absolutely put you there no matter what. Now, there are so many more things that you can do. Um, to, in your relationship with Jesus. And so if you're in a place where you have these three and you're like on fire with them and you want some more after that, come talk to me because like there are some practices outside. Like, like if you haven't really jumped into fasting, if you haven't really jumped into silence and solitude, if you haven't jumped into um, like a, a generosity that is a little bit more than just, um, you know, like your stereotypical like tithe, like like once once every paycheck or whatever you get in, like there's a, a like a, practice of generosity that Jesus outlines in, in scripture. Like there's so many more ways that you could jump into it outside the big three, but I want to talk about the big three. Word, prayer, and worship. Now, so let's jump into the word first, and I'm going to give you a whole bunch of different things that have set me on fire in my walk. I understand you are not me, okay? 
But I do want to say, like, on a Sunday morning, go meet with people in the bookstore and ask them some specifics about any of this stuff. They will have some resources to be able to point you toward. And so I'm going to leave a lot of my stuff up here. I have, like, the books that have changed my walk that I still have because people haven't got them back to me after I lent them out. Um, like, the books that have changed my life, resources that I use daily or weekly. Like, if I'm studying, if I'm writing, um, messages or sermons. So, like, these are the things on this table that I use regularly. And I'll, I'll outline a couple of them. But the word. So word meaning the Bible. Scripture. Pretty simple, right? This is the Bible I'm using right now, every day. Is this guy. Like, the word. Every time you open up the word of God, every time you open it, and that, and I truly believe every time you open up your Bible app, like if you have the word in front of you, now a screen I have other issues with in general. Um, I'm, a, I'm a paper guy, and I think that, I don't know if it's just, this is where I started, and it's, it's just been very special to me. Now I've had amazing time with the Lord on my YouVersion Bible app and things like that too. But um, paper just, for me, uh, gets me in his presence a little bit quicker than a distraction of my phone buzzing while I'm reading on my phone. And then just the, the neural pathway of swiping over to check that text message or to check that thing. It's hard for me, so that's why I don't do it as often. Um, but every time we open up the word of God, there is an opportunity for unbridled breakthrough in every situation. Because this is the word of God. It's not textbook. It's the word of God. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Does that sound like your biology textbook from college? No. This is the word of God. What I love about that is the word of God is more than just a book. It says word. So reading it brings us so close to Jesus because it's not just a book about him. It's a book that is him. That might be a little complicated to think about, but God is. <laughs> he's limitless. He's, he's more than we can understand. John 1.14 says this, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Another version says the word became flesh. The word became flesh. Like, think about your Bible that way. Of like, Jesus, when he, when he showed up on earth and lived life as a human, it's like all these words became a, a person. All God, all man. When you open up your Bible, you are exposing yourself to God right then and there. I mean, that's the reason why I've, I've I don't even know how many times I've read the Bible now in its entirety, but every time I read it, it's like I'm reading it like anew. It's brand new. I've, there are certain chapters of the Bible that are like my chapters. Like I know them in and out. I haven't memorized a whole chapter yet. That's one of my life goals is to memorize an entire chapter of the Bible. If you have, that's so awesome. But every time I read the ones I've read countless times, I get something different every single time. It blows my mind every time. I'm like, but I can't even keep up, God. I can't keep up. And it's crazy how that continues to happen and it continues to be this thing in my life. And, I'll, and I know there are people in this room that have, have been able to read longer than I've been able to be, I've been alive. And you've known Jesus longer than I've been alive. And it's the same thing, that his word is true. So just step one, if you're just not consistently opening it up, just open it up. Get in the practice of just opening it. Not even reading everything, just opening it. Just a verse, just a verse. That's all you need. And then just keep going. Just keep going. Build that habit. You don't need to be like, I'm going to read the Bible from cover to cover first. If you can do that, awesome. Honestly, that's not generally how I read the Bible each year. I go through the New Testament one year and the Old Testament the next. And I, that's been my practice for years now, that I'll, I'll do that. Sometimes I'll do the whole Bible in a year, but my emphasis is always on one of the Testaments each year. So tools to rejuvenate. Hopefully some of this stuff is like, you know, you're just, some of you could be like, you know, I'm pretty solid on this one. Just be patient. We'll get to something that hopefully does move you a bit more. But the biggest piece of advice I can give you if your Bible time is dry is don't worry about reading the next thing on your plan. Read what you need. Like, what do you need? If you can ask God or you can identify, what do I need most right now to make this 
something exciting, something real. For me, when I first started like really jumping into the Bible and, and like wanting to really start absorbing it and like reading in big chunks, I couldn't read letters like Paul's letters because they're so meaty. There's so much teaching in them. I was like, I want to read the Bible, but I want to spend some time on it. But it's just at some point, I only can take so much like new instruction in again. And so I started reading in the histories because I'm a dude and I love battle and I like war movies. Like I'm like, move me. And so I started reading Samuels and I started reading Judges and, and Joshua. And I'm like, there's some cool stuff in there. I mean, there's a, there's a story about a donkey that talks in the Bible. <laughs> and I was like, what? That, that story moves you. And, and that's one of those things that like, go, I mean, that's in the book of what numbers, right? And, and it's like, that's more of an obscure book in the Torah that like first five and all of a sudden it starts coming alive again. So read what you need right now. What do you need most? Are you in a place where you're not feeling loved and you're feeling alone? Go to the Psalms. Because there's, there's Psalms that will tell you, you are loved, and there are psalms of someone who feels exactly where you're at and is super mad at God and telling them everything that you're probably feeling all at the same time. If you're in a place where you're just, you're trying to actually learn, you're trying to grow in your faith, jump into the letters. So maybe start with a smaller letter first and, and, and read Jude or James or Titus or one of the Thessalonians and, and, and start chunking through those. Read what you need. If you're in a Bible plan with someone and it feels really dry and, and you're just like, I just dread it, stop. It's okay. It's okay to tell your friend, I'm not, I'm not getting moved by this right now. I'm going to jump into something else. Now, don't stop and just don't go back to it. I'm saying just replace. Replace those things. Read what you need. So something else to think about, check the translation. What translation of the Bible are you reading? Um, I have, I was, I was talking to someone beforehand. I was like, I have my grandmother's Bible in my office and it's super special to me. It's a King James Bible. I don't read that daily. I read it. I love you, Graham, Gam, Gam, Gam. Uh, but I, I read it maybe once or twice a year. I get into that particular Bible. Now I'll, I'll look up King James if I'm, if I'm on a study or something like that. But right now I'm reading back through NIV again. It's a blast from the past. That was the first version I read in college. And so I'm back to the NIV, but I read NLT, ESV, um, and the message, too. And the message is a translation or a paraphrase, not an actual translation. If you have questions about translations, we don't have time, but please talk to me um, about those things. But if you're just a nice middle of the road from like a direct Greek or Hebrew to English, um, opposed to your like message or passion translation, like paraphrases, middle of the road's like an NIV, pretty simple. Um, NLT is really good, easy read for like today's culture. Like you'll be able to pick up on the nuances and, and things like that. Check the translation. Mark your Bible up. Mark it up. Mark the Bible up. I'm not saying rewrite the words. That's against the rules. But I'm saying mark it up. Whatever you need to do. On, like on, on my Bible, I got all sorts of stuff. And I like the margins in this one because I can write my notes in there too. Stuff that moves me. Um, I love what Tim wants. Tim is, has the same type of Bible where it has the, the things, and he's writing things in um, his Bible. Figure out what helps you. If you have questions on any of these things, email me. I would love to just give you. I've, I've written a couple of different Bible study formats um, and things like that that just for me work really well, and if you can glean anything off those, please do. Um, okay, last thing I'll say on the word part is look it's not the last thing, but almost. Uh, look for the speck. This changed the way I viewed scripture. You'll be able to find the speck in every, any verse that you have. The speck is an acronym. If you read any chunk of the Bible, you'll be able to see one of these things or multiple of these in a verse. Speck. You look for the sin to avoid. You look for a promise to claim. You look for an example to follow. A character to study. Or you look for knowledge to pursue. When I first started studying the Bible, I was just looking for specs everywhere. And in my, my, it's in my office, but in the Bible at that point in time, I'd have an S, I'd have an S, a P, an E, a C, a K, and I would just list them out, just list them out. And God was just bringing them, bringing them to my mind. It was so awesome. And so look for the spec. Hopefully that, that helps you in your, in your reading. Some resources, uh, the Version Bible app. If you don't have that, um, you can scan this code. Fellowship Church is on there. We have... Um, like plans that we do every week that try and follow our Sunday services. 
um, as close as we can, and or at least they're in the same general ballpark of those. And you can just jump on the plan with the church. If it's an easy way for you to jump on with it, that's the, the code will get you to our um, to choosing the church on the app. If you don't have the app, see the little Holy Bible thing? It's like the number one thing if you search Holy Bible on your app store. Version Bible app. It's awesome. They have plans. They have You can highlight things. You can put notes. Um, I mean, it's, it's clutch. I use it every day. Through the Word app. This is Pastor Tim's favorite. Um, Through the Word is awesome. This is an app that will like, it's like eight to 10 minute video on each chapter of the Bible. I don't know if they have the Bible in its entirety yet. I haven't found a book that they don't have yet. Um, but it just tells you about the chapter you're reading. It's awesome. It'll take you through it. It's like a Bible commentary. But the way they produced it, the way they did it is awesome. And for the longest time, it was not doing it for me. I was like, I don't want this. I'd rather chew on, on my own with God. And recently I've been doing, like probably the last eight months or so I've been doing Through the Word. It's been so good. I love it. Through the Word's another good resource. Um, random ones that I think are on your study guide there, Bible Project on YouTube. Gives you really good outlines for entire books of the Bible um, or big themes like atonement or, um, you know, the cross, like things like that. And it's illustrated really well, so it's easy to understand. Those are great. Um, then also like little things like uh, Every Moment Holy is one of those. It's a book. I don't think we have it in our bookstore. Do we have that in our bookstore, Jen? Every Moment Holy. Okay. This is something I found on my own, and I wish I had it with me. But it's like it's, every, it's liturgy for every day. So if you do have those Lutheran roots or something like that, where you're just like, I kind of miss, because some of those liturgies are beautifully written by 17th, 18th century writers. That's just so cool. Well, this, this was written, you know, in today's world, but it's liturgies for everyday life. Like there's a liturgy for changing diapers in it. And it's so cool. I, I read the liturgy for uh, morning coffee every, every day and I just love it. So find things like that, that like get the word in front of you. All right, that's the one I wanted to spend the most time on. Uh, I'm going to quickly hit prayer and worship before we can get to our um, groups. Prayer. Prayer is the best way for us to remain in him, the best way. We can talk to him about anything and everything. Jesus taught a lot about prayer from teaching us the Lord's Prayer, from, to, thanking us, to thanking God before eating every time, before he blessed the food to multiply it, before the Last Supper, he looked up to God and he thanked God for it. We see Jesus praying all the time in Scripture. It was a practice that he did constantly. Matthew 14, 33 says, After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Luke 5, 16, But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. There's a, a quote that really moved me um, when I was thinking about my prayer life. Because truth be told, who is super satisfied with their prayer life right now? Anybody super satisfied with it? Who's not satisfied with their prayer life? Like almost everybody. At some point, you look at your prayer life, and you feel like, I'm not doing it enough. I love this quote by Craig Rochelle. He says, I don't pray for a very long time, but I don't go a long time without praying. Like that freed me. I'm like, I don't have to sit there and just journal and pray for a long, like, I mean, there's actually scripture against that. Don't pray with lofty words. Pray in secret, like just in him, means just next to him sometimes, silent. That's still prayer if you think about it because you're listening. Prayer's two-way street, right? So I say that to just take some pressure off that. Pray and start, start to develop that habit. For me, what really developed the habit of prayer was journaling. And as a guy, that was hard to jump into because it felt like diary. But then I found, this is one of my, this is my first journal. It's a buffalo skin journal. It's like, yes. <laughs> manly. I was like, I love it. I wish I killed the buffalo myself, but I didn't. But this is like cotton pages. I felt like I was a, like Daniel Boone on the frontier of my spiritual journey. And it was just amazing. I loved it. But this, this did it for me. I was like, I loved it. And, and it was one of those like kind of breakthrough things where I would just journal a few, a few phrases once a week. And then it morphed into like, I'm going to actually try and practice this daily. And it morphed into me, well, really understanding I couldn't read my own handwriting. And so I went to a digital journal and I um, got my word per minute up pretty heavy um, in that season of just writing stream of thought to God. This is what's going on. This is what I'm thinking. And I just kept typing. Just no punctuation, no paragraph breaks. 
And I, I rarely would read them again. I just, just pour it out to him. And that helped develop a habit of prayer for me. So whatever it does, whatever you need to do, journal, paper, digital, whatever it is. I actually have a couple um, journals. These ones right here, there's a couple brown ones in this. This is a girly one. Um, so sorry, you can't have this one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, these, are, these are free, and I have extras from our retreats that we did a couple years ago. So if anybody wants these, don't take my buffalo skin one. It's full of my, my sweat and blood and tears. Um, journal. Journal if you can. Praying through scripture is amazing. I have a resource for that too. Have you guys seen our prayer, our prayer cards that we've done? I think some of you are familiar with them. If you, like this is the best thing you could possibly do. You start to add these big three in together. So you got the word, right? This, this card right here is full of just addresses of scriptures for your church, for your spouse, for your children, for yourself. And what you do is you look one of those up and then you write it out in your journal. But then you write it, rewrite it as a prayer to God. So we're not rewriting scripture so we're clear. We're praying scripture to God. Does that make sense? And so it's, called, it's a tool called praying through scripture. And in college, it just, yeah, it was so awesome. And when Tim made these, it really did a breakthrough. So I'll do a quick example of one. So like my journal and this, I would, I would write a verse and then I'd rewrite the thing. Gosh, I better do one that's not crazy personal here. Okay. Let's, let's risk it. Okay, 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord himself, the Lord of peace, pour into you his peace in every circumstance and in every possible way the, the Lord's tangible presence be with you all. So that's 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Can't remember what translation that was, but I rewrote it for a prayer to God. And it says, God, I pray you, the God of peace, that you yourself pour out your peace upon me in every circumstance and in every way possible. Above it all, let me experience your tangible presence presence all day long. That was just, that was his scripture, just, just back to him. I mean, that's both, <laughs> right? And that right there, like, I can go back and just read these when I'm, I've already, I, you know, I, just right there, I'm like, man, that was really good. I probably should jump back into this, the, the old things in this one, and instead of just, you know, blazing new ones. But what I love about praying through scripture is it, it, it gets scripture in your heart too, and you're praying through it. It's a great tool. So if that's what you need to do to light up your uh, happy hours or quiet times a little bit more, do that. Big thing is quality, not quantity. You're not trying to do a whole bunch of words just to get a whole bunch of words out. The quality of your prayer is big. Sometimes I'm just like, help, Jesus. And that's it. That's all I can do. And that's just part of it. So pray. Um, some, some things that do both. I'm just going to leave these things up here. I kind of run out of time, but this devotional changed my walk most recently. The, if you guys did the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, it was really good, right? I don't know if you guys had some good experience with it. The Devo is what, is, is what did the most for me, not the teachings. I read the book, did the videos, and this. This thing was so clutch for me. This devotional right here, I think you could probably, Jen, what do you think? Do you think you could just do this without having to do the course? I think so. I think that if you're just like, I want to get a good practice of a quiet time every single day, just get this devotional and do it. Um, it's really, really good. It's 40 days. And you do it twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening. And they're short. They're like five, seven minutes. I did have a couple that Jesus was like, you're not done yet. Um, but he tends to do that in my life anyway. So that one's a good one for devotions that are both word and prayer. Version Bible app has those. The pause app. Ken, you were talking about that one too when you emailed me. Um, the pause app by John Eldridge, awesome. I use it daily right now. And John Eldridge is just like the most, I, I really love his writing. Um, and the way he did this pause app is really good. It, if you just type in pause on your um, app store, you can do like a one minute, three minute, five minute, 10 minute. And some of them are different. Some ones are worship. Some's like, some of them are like mental strength, and he just does scripture and gets you to do these little exercises that like just, you, 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 at the end of it, you are closer to God. Like, and again, this is my walk. It really did a lot for me. And I, Eldridge's stuff is generally tailored a little bit more to the masculine heart in general, but I think my, my wife's gotten stuff out of it too. That's another good one. Uh, worship. 
Man, worship. This could have been three sessions, guys. I know I'm going a little bit longer on this one, but worship is something that um, this worship by itself was a life hack for me in, in, a, in a big way. Worship is something that fully establishes God on the throne of your life. When you worship him, he is the number one, to quote Nacho Libre. Uh, when we worship him, everything changes. The Bible mentions that he is enthroned on the praises of his people, that he, his throne is the praise. So if you can't feel God close to you, praise his name. He is enthroned or seated on that praise. It's like you're ushering this, the presence in, Holy Spirit in when you do that. And honestly, it is a, such a beautiful sacrifice that in your pain to worship God, that in your suffering to worship God, it's, it's like this sweet aroma that just comes into the room when you're in that place. Psalm 22, three, yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. Worship has always been a crucial part of my walk. Um, honestly, when I began to worship God outside of our worship center or our, you know, like our, our worship um, you know, big church is what we call it, like on Sundays in front of a congregation or whatever. And, and when I began to worship him out, outside of that place, in something probably I would call like a personal private worship, my walk changed. My walk changed. And I know I can be an exuberant guy and kind of like charismatic at times, but like if you're really introverted and you're not charismatic, this might seem like a, a stretch. But I challenge you, like whatever worship jam that like hits your heart right now. Because generally there's something. There's a song that we've sang on Sundays or something that just like, oh man, just punches you in the gut in the best way. I challenge you to just like throw on your headphones, find a private place, and sing out loud to them. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I can't sing worth a lick, but I don't care. And now it's like this, we created this culture in our home that like, you know, my kids sing out loud. My wife is a heavenly singer, so it's nice when she's in the, in the place doing it. But, like, in the mornings, I, I wake up more before anybody. I'm usually up around 4.30 in the morning, and one of the things I'll do in the morning um, is, and I did a season where I was in my backyard, especially in, well, in the winter and stuff, and in the summer, be in my backyard just dancing. Just dancing. Like, in, in worship with God. Like, just in my own zone. There's been times in the winter where I'll just put a candle, like one candle in our living room. And this is before we had kids because, oh, can't wake them up. And, and I, would just, I would just dance. Dance before the Lord and just sing out to him. And I'm not singing out loud, like, all that loud because, like, I don't want to wake up everybody in my headphones. I'm just, like, just, just worshiping, hands up, like, knees, like, crying sometimes. Like, it's this thing. When I started to dive into that, oh, he became so close, and I was able to hear him so well, because of that season. And when I got that as a habit, it just, it just became kind of that second, like muscle memory. I can jump into the, to that place pretty easy. Um, but that was through some stuff, some seasons of, of, of really trying to make that a, a habit. The last thing I want to say about worship, and I'll close with this, is that worship's not just singing. Romans 12, 1 and 2 basically outlines this idea that our obedience is a true act of worship. That you do not have to sing to worship God. But when you make an obedient choice, especially when it's hard, it's a true act of worship. It's giving your life, your, your body as a, as a sacrifice to God. And so obedience is one of the best ways you can worship him ever. To not copy the customs and behaviors of this world, but to let God transform you into a new person like Romans 1 and 2 should always be read together, that like giving yourself your body as a living sacrifice and letting him change the way you think. Like that is a, all of that is just a beautiful form of worship, of being obedient to him. And so like when you're at work and you're staying undercover or when, you know, God's moved you to like shut down, um, if you're in a dating relationship, shut, shut down sex in your dating relationship. It's obedience and it's worship of him. Worship of him. If, if God has moved you in a place where you're just like, you have this, this 
pull in you to want to gossip, to want to share this thing, and you're just like, I am not going to do that because I'm going to stay in him. Oh, that's worship. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, and he loves that. He loves that. So I want to, I know I went really long tonight, but I'm super passionate about the, the practices and disciplines and whatever you want to call them, just quiet times, happy hours, because it gives us this access to God. So um, this week, the challenge for the week is if you don't have a consistent quiet time, this week, let's commit to it. Once a day, remain in him once a day. Get to a spot where you can like open the word, where you can worship, like whatever it's gonna be. It doesn't have to be all three. It could just be one. Like if that's where you're at, just start there. Just worship or just prayer or just the word, whatever it might be. But like get to a spot there. If you're having consistency now, but it's feeling a little dry, change it up this week. Do something new. Put a candle on and headphones in. Or, or, or listen to the Through the Word the app this week or, or, or put on the pause app. Like just try one, one new thing. I'm not saying change everything. One new thing, rejuvenate it a little bit. Mix it up a bit. If you're in a spot where you're just like, I'm really loving what I'm doing, share your story. Share your story with someone. Share, share what God is, is speaking to your heart and why those happy hours, those quiet times, those coffee with God, those devotionals are just doing it for you because who God is to you, he will be through you. And chances are he can move someone because of what he's doing in your life. Um, so I'll leave these things up here. Feel free to take a look at them um, in college, navigators. Topical memory system, I memorized 60 verses um, in like my first year of like really jumping into this. Really, it's a really easy system to do that, memorize scripture. I got my study Bible that I love. It's a chronological Bible. Come up here, check these out. I'll hang out um, for questions. Let's pray and we'll get to it. Jesus, thank you so much for everything. Lord, we love you. We want to remain in you. So we invite you in, bless our discussion. And God, um, Lord, we pray this week we can feel closer to you. And for anyone, Jesus, that feels like you're not close now, Lord, I pray, pray that they can find you. They can find you, Jesus, in one of these things, God, because you're not far from us. So Lord, we love you. We thank you in your name, Jesus. Amen.